Welcome back to History Talks with History Buff 1836. History Buff 1836 here. And today is September 11th, and it marks the 19th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the United States. And I'm going to be talking about that today. I'm going to be using new cover, news coverage and interviews along with that. And this isn't like a, some huge, detailed podcast episode about it this is just a timeline of what happened that day so this day started as any other work day it was a tuesday and many people getting up thinking it was gonna be a normal day but it didn't this day would have lasting impacts on america and the rest of the world around 6 a.m to 7 um 50 the hijackers were checked into TSA and got through the screening. By eight, by 7.59 a.m., Flight 11 takes off from Boston. 11 crew members, 76 passengers on that plane, headed for Los Angeles. Between 7.59 a.m. and 8.15 a.m., the plane is hijacked. And at 8.19 a.m., flight attendant from Flight 11 named Betty Young Calls air traffic control that there are that they are possible being hijacked and that someone's been stabbed. Here are some of the clips of the calls. I took out some of the silence and some of the, the re- repeating. But the full phone call is like eight minutes thirty two seconds, and that will of course be in the link in the description. It's uh there's two operators American Airline operators, it's a male and a female. So she talks to other passengers about the guy or woman who is stabbed in business class trying to get a description so they could, she could give it back to the American Airlines operator. What flight number are we talking about? Flight 12. Flight 12. Okay, I'm going to go on flight 11 right now. This is flight 11. It's flight 11. I'm sorry, Nitties. Boston to Los Angeles. Yes. Our number one has been stabbed, and our five has been stabbed. And after that last bit, the conversation switches to the emergency agency is also on the line along with the operators trying to figure out what is going on because now there's an emergency with two people being stabbed and people can't breathe because of a mace. At 8.20 a.m. Flight 77 takes off from Washington, headed to Los Angeles, but all these planes were 
taking off from Washington area, heading to Los Angeles because that was the most fuel. The hijackers wanted several t pounds of fuel in the plane to cause more destruction, and then they would eventually turn around to go to New York and then Pennsylvania. At 8.44, the hijacker from Flight 11 transmits a message through air traffic control radio to the controllers. And here's the call from BBC News Broadcast. Hey, 8.37am, air traffic control alerts the military and of the hijacked flight 11, so now military is on alert. And here's radio clips from traffic control talking, and this is probably where military is getting involved with them. We have a, a problem here. We have a hijacked aircraft headed towards New York, and we need you guys to, we need someone to send us a message saying that something like this uh, is out. Is this real world or exercise? So at the last bit, you can hear one of the controllers asking if this is an exercise or if this is real world. And then the first guy goes, yes, this is real. We are in trouble. 8.42 AM Flight 93 takes off. At 8.46, Flight 11 crashes through floors 93 and 99 of the North Tower. All the people on the plane were instantly killed and probably people from that floor and above here are interviews and breaking news reports in, and probably phone calls from the first tower attack and at 8:50 a.m. president is alerted that there's a small plane that hit the north tower but his advisors in him assume that it was just a small airplane and an accident and that we can continue with our lives five minutes later at 8:55 a.m. The South Tower is secure. At 9.02, South Tower is being evacuated. During the investigation at 9.03, during the evacuation, sorry, at 9.03, the second plane hits the South Tower. That was CBS, a broadcast from CBS. Here is a broadcast from Fox 5. We do have some breaking news that we want to bring you right now. We're going to go to a picture, a live picture from New York City. Apparently, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center in New York, 852, with limited information at this point. We don't know about injuries uh, in the building or people on the ground, but obviously this has potential for, for, for being a, a major uh, disaster here. Look at that. Here's another CBS News broadcast, but in the middle of them talking, they see, they witness the plane hit the Southern Tower. You could hear the shot from all the reporters and anchors. This one into the east tower. Yes, yes, right in the middle of the building. 
here is ABC when in the middle of reporting you can see um, the second plane hit. It does not appear that there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet. Now remember, oh my god. Oh my god. That looks like a second plane. I just saw another plane coming in from the side. You did. I did. That was out of up Yes, and that's view. the second explosion. You could see the planes. So this is around nine in the morning. Many people were just starting off their work day. Others were still on their way to work. And from the breaking news coverage from the television to radio, they were glued to the news all day. To figure out what is going on. At 8.50 a.m. Bush is alerted while reading a book to children at a school. He said this in his book Decision Points. And these are not the exact words. This is just a summary about his day of 9-11. Before he, uh, he knew about the first plane before he went into the classroom. He was thinking of a small propeller plane. But was later on told that it was a commercial jet plane. He continued with the school tour and spending time with the children. Before he started to read, he was told about the second plane crash into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. News reporters were already in the classroom, so he knew that his decision would be recorded and broadcasted for the world to see. He must not panic, and as he finished, he went back to the DC motorcade, and when he was on it, he was told that a plane crashed into the field, and he knew America was under attack, and he needed to get to the bottom of this. I'm not putting this into the um, podcast, but in the link below, there is going to be Bushy's advisor reflecting on the attack from the news on the anniversary. Between 9.12 a.m. and 9.37 a.m., passengers abroad flight 77 became aware of the events surrounding the other planes, knowing that there one that there has been hijacked, they knew the outcome would be deadly. That not one of them is going to reach the destination or come home to their family members. So they called out, letting them know that they're not going to make it and that they loved it. There's no actual recordings of them so far that's not released. The transcripts are released, however, and I'll leave them a link if you want to read those heartbreaking phone calls. At 9.37 a.m., the Pentagon is attacked. Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon, killing all 53 passengers and 6 crew members and 125 military personnel. Here's new coverage and phone recordings. Did the, uh, the fax machine, you know, put the papers in the fax, dialed the number, and at the exact same moment that I hit the start key, the plane hit the building. And, you know, you can look at back on it now, you can see humor in just about anything. At first, I thought I'd blown up the fax machine. I was, you know, it's like that initial state of shock. And I thought, oh my God, what did I do? And then I realized that it wasn't me. Um, I smelled the jet fuel. And being around the Air Force for 30-some years, in one way or another, I recognized jet fuel when I smelled it. So, And we had heard on the radio prior to that about um, the, the Twin Towers Someone in the office had a radio and, and kind of called our attention to it. And we listened, and they were talking about the first one. And then, um, then at this, about that moment, the impact of the second one. And, uh, but New York City seems so far away, and 
never, never gave it a thought what it was, who it was, or that they'd ever come here. Louise Rogers, a civilian accountant. Her interview is about three minutes long. The full one will be in the link below. Here is John Yates, a U.S. Army man at the Pentagon. One of my coworkers asked me if I knew what was going on in New York. So I said no, and she said, well, you got to come see. And there's a crowd of people watching the TV. So I stood there for a few minutes and watched. And then I walked back to my desk. I called my wife. She said she knew, and I said, well, I just wanted to let you know I was okay. And she said, do me a favor. For the rest of the day, work from underneath your desk. So I laughed. And I said, yeah, honey, I will. I love you, and I'll see you tonight. Just as I decided to get up and leave, the plane hit the outside of the building. I was blown through the air, and when I landed, I really didn't know where I was. That kind of scared me because I knew the floor plan of our space better than I knew the floor plan of my own house. The room was just black, and everything I touched burned my hands. Two. The FFA had grounded all flights. By 9.59 a.m., the D.C. area is evacuated. Also in that time frame, the South Tower collapses. Also at 9.58 a.m., procedures to protect high-level officials during natural emergencies were started. 2.03 a.m., Flight 93 is crashed in Pennsylvania. 10.15 a.m., the E-ring of the Pentagon is collapsed. 10.28 a.m., the North Tower of the World Trade Center crashed. One sixteen p.m., the airspace is completely 100% closed off. In the early afternoon, rescue efforts were underway, trying to free as many as possible before they died of injuries. 5 p.m., collapse of 7 World Trade Center, the 47-story building, was evacuated and on fire for hours before finally collapsing. No one died in the collapsing of that tower. At this time, those who were working headed home, still following the story, with radios in the car and then continued to follow this story for the rest of the evening to come and the week to come even. At 8.30 p.m., the U.S. President Bush addresses the nation from the White House. And here are some sections of that address. The full length will be in the description below as well. Good evening. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. Our first priority is to get help to those who have been injured and to take every precaution to protect our citizens at home and around the world from further attacks. The functions of our government continue without interruption. 
federal agencies in Washington which had to be evacuated today are reopening for essential personnel tonight and will be open for business tomorrow. The search is underway for those who are behind these evil acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down any enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you. Good night. And God bless America. So those were some short snippets speaking of George Bush when he arrived at Ground Zero shortly after the couple hours before 830, his 8.30 p.m. address from the White House. He spoke with the bullhorn, and after he speaks, the crowd erupts with chanting USA. Here's the audio. At 10.30 p.m., rescue workers were still working and trying to save lives. And we pick up the next day. In the end, 2,977 people died, making it the deadliest attack on U.S. soil, and more to come died in the, re in the following years from injuries relating to 9-11. September 12th was a united day. Everyone was united to help one another out. It was also a day of what is next. Bush did address America after a meeting of national security. Here's a snippet from his three-minute remark. This enemy attacked not just our people, but our freedom-loving people everywhere in the world. The United States of America will use all our resources to conquer this enemy. We will rally in the world. We will be patient. We will be focused. We will be steadfast in our determination. This battle will take time to resolve. Make no mistake about it. We will win. The federal government and all of our agencies are conducting business. 
but it's not business as usual. We are operating on heightened security alert. America is going forward, and as we do so, we must remain aware of the threats to our country. Those in authority should take our appropriate precautions to protect our citizens. But we will not fall, allow this enemy to win in war by changing our way of life or restricting our freedom. This morning, I am sending to Congress a request to emergency funding authority so that we could, we are prepared to spend whatever it takes to rescue victims, to help the citizens of New York City, Washington, D.C. respond with this tragedy and protect our national security. I want to thank the members of Congress for their unity and support. America is united. The freedom-loving nations of the world stands by our side. This will be a continental struggle of good versus evil, but good will prevail. And also on September 12th, Bush did declare war on terror. On the 13th, Bush made a proclamation of National Day of Prayer Remembrance for the Victims of Terrorist Attacks on September 11, 2001. And the National Day of Prayer is on September 14, 2001. September 14th, the Declaration of National Emergency by Reason of Certain Terrorist Attacks is enacted. September 20th, President Bush addresses to a joint session of Congress and the American people. And here's some of the speech. I tried to cut it down to as much as possible because it was a 30-minute speech. And I tried to get it. And I got it down to roughly around 7 minutes. And if you don't want to hear the full thing, you can fast forward to about 7 minutes. But the full length will be in the description below. Mr. President pro tempore members of Congress, and fellow Americans. In the normal course of events, presidents come to this chamber to report on the State of the Union. Tonight, no such report is needed. It has already been delivered by the American people. We have seen it in the courage of passengers who rushed terrorists to save others on the ground. Passengers like an exceptional man named Todd Beamer. And would you please help me welcome his wife, Lisa Beamer, here tonight. The last nine days, the entire world has seen for itself the state of our union, and it is strong. Tonight, we are a country awakened to danger and called to defend freedom. Our grief has turned to anger, and anger to resolution. Whether we bring our enemies to justice, or bring justice to our enemies, justice will be done. The American people, I thank the world for its outpouring of support. America will never forget the sounds of our national anthem playing at Buckingham Palace, on the streets of Paris, and at Berlin's Brandenburg Gate. We will not forget South Korean children gathering to pray outside our embassy in Seoul, or the prayers of sympathy offered at a mosque in Cairo. We will not forget moments of silence and days of mourning in Australia and Africa and Latin America. Nor will we forget the citizens of 80 other nations who died with our own. 
dozens of Pakistanis, more than 130 Israelis, more than 250 citizens of India, men and women from El Salvador, Iran, Mexico, and Japan, and hundreds of British citizens. Enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country. Americans have known wars, but for the past 136 years, they have been wars on foreign soil, except for one Sunday in 1941. Under that section of his speech, he goes on to say, we know the casualties related to war, but not the ones we had on September 11th. Freedom is under attack. Here's the rest of his speech. Attacked our country. The evidence we have gathered all points to a collection of loosely affiliated terrorist organizations known as Al-Qaeda. Next to say the leader's name and how he's connected to different terroristic organizations. A person named Osama bin Laden are linked to many other organizations in different countries, including the Egyptian Islamic Jihad and the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. There are thousands of these terrorists in more than 60 countries. They are recruited from their own nations and neighborhoods and brought to camps in places like Afghanistan where they are trained in the tactics of terror. Talks about the training camps and how we need to see them and to see them being dismantled or we will do it for them. The United States respects the people of Afghanistan. After all, we are currently its largest source of humanitarian aid, but we condemn the Taliban regime. It is not only repressing its own people, it is threatening people everywhere by sponsoring and sheltering and supplying terrorists. And tonight, the United States of America makes the following demands on the Taliban. Deliver to United States authorities all the leaders of Al-Qaeda who hide in your land. Close immediately and permanently every terrorist training camp in Afghanistan and hand over every terrorist and every person in their support structure to appropriate authorities. States full access to terrorist training camps so we can make sure they are no longer operating. These demands are not open to negotiation or discussion. After the applause, he gives an explanation. If those commands are not acted upon, then we will act. He also gives thanks to the Muslim religion that the terroristic organization oppresses them and that gives their religion a bad name. It will not end until every terrorist group of global reach has been found, stopped, and defeated. They hate our freedoms our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, our freedom to vote and assemble and disagree with each other. They want to overthrow existing governments in many Muslim countries, such as Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Jordan. They want to drive Israel out of the Middle East. 
They want to drive Christians and Jews out of vast regions of Asia and Africa. These terrorists kill not merely to end lives, but to disrupt and end a way of life. He goes on to say that they want us to be fearful and what path of destruction they will follow. How will we fight and win this war? We will direct every resource at our command, every means of diplomacy, every tool of intelligence, every instrument of law enforcement, every financial influence, and every necessary weapon of war. After, after this, he goes on to say that this war will be not like nothing we've seen before, and how this might be longer than the ones we have seen. Next, he'll call upon nations to help America out to fight terrorism and naming a new cabinet position. region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. A nation that continues to harbor or support terrorism will be regarded by the United States as a hostile regime. Our nation has been put on notice. We're not immune from attack. We will take defensive measures against terrorism to protect Americans. Today, dozens of federal departments and agencies, as well as state and local governments, have responsibilities affecting homeland security. These efforts must be coordinated at the highest level. So tonight, I announced the creation of a cabinet-level position reporting directly to me, the Office of Homeland Security. And tonight, I also announced a distinguished American to lead this effort to strengthen American security, a military veteran, an effective governor, a true patriot, a trusted friend, Pennsylvania's Tom Ridge. Against terrorism, and respond to any attacks that may come. These measures are essential. The only way to defeat terrorism as a threat to our way of life is to stop it, eliminate it, and destroy it where it grows. From FBI agents to intelligence operatives to the else from the damaged Pentagon, I have a message for our military. Be ready. After saying that to, to the military to be ready, he explains how we should live our lives as calmly as possible, without fear, and to spend more time with our family and how we are, and how we are going to make air travel safer. The will work with Congress and these two leaders to show the world that we will rebuild New York City. And after that, he gives his closing remarks. And that's all I have for today, along with all the links. I'll leave some more, a little more links that you can do. And I do want to end with uh, former President Obama saying that we got him. I want to ask that you never forget the horrible acts on America and that if you were uh, alive during that, and remember, talk to younger generations of what you took in that day so that this day will never repeat itself. Good evening. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. 
and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. It was nearly 10 years ago that a bright September day was darkened by the worst attack on the American people in our history. The images of 9-11 are seared into our national memory.